the irreverent, entertaining, cool. You're listening to LA Talk Radio. You can support Sapphire Planet by visiting the online store at sapphireplanet.com. Welcome. Your journey is just beginning. You are now entering the Sapphire Planet. You are now in the Sapphire Planet. A lunar eclipse occurs when the moon passes directly behind the Earth into its umbra or shadow. This can occur only when the sun, Earth, and moon are aligned in Saizigi, exactly or very closely so, with the Earth in the middle. Hence, a lunar eclipse can occur only the night of a full moon. The type and length of an eclipse depends upon the moon's location relative to its orbital nodes. Unlike a solar eclipse, which can be viewed only from a certain relatively small area of the world, a lunar eclipse may be viewed from anywhere on the night side of the Earth. A lunar eclipse lasts for a few hours, whereas a total solar eclipse lasts for only a few minutes at any given place, due to the smaller size of the moon's shadow. Also, unlike solar eclipses, lunar eclipses are safe to view without any eye protection or special precautions, as they are dimmer than the full moon. The shadow of the Earth can be divided into two distinctive parts, the umbra and the penumbra. Within the umbra, there is no direct solar radiation. However, as a result of the sun's large angular size, solar illumination is only partially blocked in the outer portion of the Earth's shadow, which gives the name penumbra. A penumbral eclipse occurs when the moon passes through the Earth's penumbra. The penumbra causes a subtle darkening of the moon's surface. A special type of penumbral eclipse is a total penumbral eclipse, 
during which the moon lies exclusively within the Earth's penumbra. Total penumbral eclipses are rare, and when these occur, that portion of the moon which is closest to the umbra can appear somewhat darker than the rest of the moon. A partial lunar eclipse occurs when only a portion of the moon enters the umbra. When the moon travels completely near the Earth's umbra, one observes a total lunar eclipse. The moon's speed through the shadow is about one kilometer per second, or 2,300 miles per hour, and totality may last up to nearly 107 minutes. Nevertheless, the total time between the moon's first and last contact with the shadow is much longer, and could last up to four hours. The relative distance of the moon from the Earth at the time of the ellipse can affect the eclipse duration. In particular, when the moon is near its apogee, the furthest point from the Earth in its orbit, its orbital speed is at its slowest. The diameter of the umbra does not decrease appreciably within the changes in the orbital distance of the moon. Thus, a totally eclipsed moon occurring near apogee will lengthen the duration of the totality. A central lunar eclipse is a total lunar eclipse during which the moon passes through the center of the Earth's shadows. These are relatively rare. A selenelian or senahelion occurs when both the sun and the eclipse moon can be observed at the same time. This can happen only just before sunset or just after sunrise, and both bodies will appear just above the horizon at nearly opposite points in the sky. This arrangement has led to the phenomenon being referred to as a horizontal eclipse. These are typically a number of high ridges undergoing sunrises or sunsets that can see it. Although the moon is in the Earth's umbra, the sun and the eclipse moon can both be seen at the same time, because the refraction of light through the Earth's atmosphere causes each of them to appear higher in the sky than their true geometric positions. The timing of a total lunar eclipse are determined by its contacts. There are six contact points. First contact is known as P1, beginning of the penumbral eclipse. The Earth's penumbra touches the moon's outer limb. The second contact is U1, beginning of the partial eclipse. The Earth's umbra touches the moon's outer limb. The third contact is known as U2, beginning of the total eclipse. The moon's surface is entirely within the Earth's umbra. Then comes the great eclipse, the peak stage of the total eclipse. The moon is at its closest to the center of the Earth's umbra. Fourth contact is the U3, the end of the total eclipse. The moon's outer limb exits the Earth's umbra. 
The fifth contact is known as U4. End of the partial eclipse. The Earth's umbra leaves the moon's surface. And the final sixth contact, P4. End of the penumbral eclipse. The Earth's penumbra no longer makes contact with the moon. The Dajon scale was devised by Andre Dajon for overrating the overall darkness of lunar eclipses. And it goes from L0 to L4. L equals zero is a very dark eclipse, the moon almost invisible, especially at mid-totality. L1 is a dark eclipse, gray or brownish in coloration, details distinguishable only with difficulty. An L2, deep red or rust-colored eclipse, very dark central shadow, while outer edge of umbra is, def- is relatively bright. An L3 is a brick red eclipse. Umbral shadow usually has a bright or yellow rim. And finally, the L4, very bright copper red or orange eclipse. Umbral shadow is bluish and has a very bright rim. There is often confusion between a solar and lunar eclipse. While both involve interactions between the sun, earth, and moon, they are very different in their interactions. The moon does not completely disappear as it passes through the umbra because of the refraction of sunlight by the Earth's atmosphere into the shadow cone. Interestingly enough, if the Earth had no atmosphere, the moon would be completely dark during an eclipse. The reddish coloration arises because sunlight reaching the moon must pass through a long and dense layer of the Earth's atmosphere, where it is scattered. Short wavelengths are more likely to be scattered by the air molecules and the small particles. And so by the time the light is passed through the atmosphere, the longer wavelengths dominate. This resulting light we perceive as red. This is the same effect that causes sunsets and sunrises to turn the sky a reddish color. An alternative way of considering the problem is to realize that As viewed from the moon, the sun would appear to be setting or rising behind the earth. The amount of refracted light depends on the amount of dust or clouds in the atmosphere. This also controls how much light is scattered. In general, the dustier the atmosphere, the more that other wavelengths of light will be removed compared to red light, leaving the resulting light a deeper red color. This causes the resulting coppery red hue of the moon to vary from one ellipse to the next. 
Volcanoes are notable for expelling large quantities of dust into the atmosphere. And a large eruption shortly before an ellipse can have a large effect on the resulting color. The opposite of a lunar eclipse is a solar eclipse. A solar eclipse occurs when the moon casts its shadow on the earth while passing between the sun and earth. Because the moon's orbit is five degrees tilted to the earth's orbit around the sun, a solar eclipse is rare. The moon has an elliptical orbit around the earth, so the separation of the two varies from about 221,000 to 252,000 miles. When the moon's distance from the earth is low, the moon appears significantly larger and can completely obscure the sun, causing a total solar eclipse. An annular solar eclipse occurs when the moon is furthest from the earth. On these occasions, the moon will appear to be smaller and not fully eclipsed by the sun. Lunar eclipses have been going on for the history of mankind, and they have influenced culture. Several cultures have myths related to lunar eclipses or allude to the lunar eclipse as being a good or a bad omen. The Egyptians saw the eclipse as a sow swallowing the moon for a short time. Other cultures view the eclipse as the moon being swallowed by other animals, such as a jaguar in the Mayan tradition, or a three-legged toad in China. Some societies thought it was a demon swallowing the moon and that they could chase it away by throwing stones and cursing at it. The Greeks, however, were ahead of their time. When they said the earth was round and used the shadow from the lunar eclipse as evidence. Some Hindus believe in the importance of bathing in the Ganges River following an eclipse because it will help you achieve salvation. Similarly to the Mayans, the Incans believed that lunar eclipses were when a jaguar would eat the moon, which is why blood moons look red. The Incas also believed that once the jaguars finished eating the moon, it could come down and devour all the animals on earth so they would take spears and shout at the moon to keep it away. The ancient Mesopotamians believed that a lunar eclipse was when the moon was being attacked by seven demons. This attack was more than just one on the moon, however, for the Mesopotamians, they linked what happened in the sky to what was happening on the land. And because the king of Mesopotamia represented the land, the seven demons were thought to also be attacking the king. In order to prevent this attack on the king, the good Mesopotamians made someone pretend to be the king so they would be attacked instead of the true king. 
After the lunar eclipse was over, the substitute king was made to disappear, most likely by poisoning. In some Chinese cultures, people would ring bells to prevent a dragon or other wild animals from biting the moon. Believe it or not, in the 19th century, during a lunar eclipse, the Chinese Navy fired its artillery because of this belief. During the Zhao dynasty in the Book of Songs, the sight of a red moon engulfed in darkness led them to believe the sign as a foreshadowing of famine or disease. Due to its reddish color, a totally eclipsed moon is sometimes referred to as a blood moon. In addition, in the 2010s, the media started to associate the term blood moon with the four full moons of a lunar tetrad, especially during the years 2014 to 2015 tetrad, coinciding with the feasts of Passover and Tabernacles. A lunar tetrad is a consecutive sequence of four lunar eclipses spaced six months apart. Occurrence of Every year there are at least two lunar eclipses and as many as five, although total lunar eclipses are significantly less common. If one knows the date and time of an eclipse, it is possible to predict the occurrence of other eclipses using an eclipse cycle like the Saros. A supermoon is the coincidence of a full or new moon with the closest approach the moon makes to the Earth on its elliptical orbit, resulting in the largest apparent size of the lunar disk as seen from Earth. The technical name is the perigee Syzygy of the Earth-Moon-Sun system. The term supermoon is not astronomical, but originated in modern astrology. The association of the moon with both oceanic and crustal tide had led to claims that the supermoon phenomena may be associated with increased risks of events, such as earthquakes and volcanic eruptions. But the evidence of such a link is widely held to be unconvincing and flat-out wrong. The opposite phenomena of a supermoon has been called a micromoon, although this term is not widespread as supermoon. And that would be when the moon is furthest away. The moon's distance varies each month between approximately 357,000 kilometers 
or 222,000 miles, and 406,000 kilometers, or 252,000 miles, due to its elliptical orbit around the Earth. A full moon at perigee is visually larger, up to 14% in diameter, or almost 30% in area, and shines 30% more light than one at its farthest point, or apogee. The name supermoon was coined in 1979 and is arbitrarily defined as a new or full moon which occurs with the moon at near at or near within 90% of its closest approach to earth in a given orbit. In short, the earth, moon and sun are all in line with the moon in its nearest approach to earth. The term supermoon is not used within the astronomical community, which uses the term perigee syzygy, or perigee full new moon. Perigee is, at the po- is the point at which the moon is closest in its Earth orbit to the Earth, and syzygy is when the Earth, the moon, and the sun are aligned, which happens at every full or new moon. Hence, a supermoon can be regarded as a combination of the two, although they do not perfectly coincide each time. The full moon cycle is the period between alignments of the lunar perigee with the sun and the earth, which is about 13.9 synodic months or about 411.8 days. Thus, approximately every 14th full moon will be a supermoon. However, halfway through the cycle, the full moon will be close to apogee, and the new moons immediately before and after can be supermoons. Thus, there may be as many as three supermoons per full moon cycle. Since 13.9 differs from 14 by very close to 1/18th, the supermoons themselves will vary with a period of about 18 full moon cycles, or about 251 sidotic months, or 20.3 years. Thus, for about a decade, the largest supermoons will be full, and for the next decade, the largest supermoons will be new. Very interesting. The combined effects of the sun and moon on Earth's oceans and the tide is greatest when the moon is either new or full. At lunar perigee, the tidal force is somewhat stronger, resulting in a perigean spring tides. But even at its most powerful, This force is still relatively weak, causing tidal differences of inches at most. As the tidal force follows an inverse cube law, that force is 19% greater than average. 
However, because the actual amplitude of tides varies around the world, this may not translate into a direct effect. It has been claimed that the supermoon of March 19, 2011 was was responsible for grounding of five ships in the Solent in the UK, but such claims are not supported by evidence and it might be just an urban legend. There has been media speculation that natural disasters such as the 2011 Tohoku earthquake and tsunami, the 2004 Indian Ocean earthquake and tsunami are causally linked with the one to two week period surrounding a supermoon. No evidence has been found of any correlation between supermoons with major earthquakes. This is just a wives' tale. Lunar eclipses can influence behavior of peoples on Earth and change the courses of history. I bet you didn't know this, but on March March of 1504, a lunar eclipse changed the course of history. Christopher Columbus, of all people, in an effort to induce the natives of Jamaica to continue provisioning him and his hungry men, successfully intimidated the natives by correctly predicting a total lunar eclipse for March 1st, 1504. Using the ephemeris of the German astronomer Rigid Tidemannus. Here's the story. On June 30th, 1503, Christopher Columbus beached his last two caravels and was stranded in Jamaica. The indigenous people of the island welcomed Columbus and his crew and fed them. But Columbus's sailors cheated and stole from the natives. After six months, the natives were fed up with Columbus and his crew and halted the food supply. Columbus had on board an almanac authored by Abraham Zacuto of astronomical tables covering the year 1475 to 1506. Upon consulting the book, he noticed the date and time of an upcoming lunar eclipse. He was able to use this information to his advantage. He requested a meeting for that day with the Kekia, the leader, and told him that Columbus's God was angry with the locals' people treatment of Columbus and his men. Columbus said his God would provide a clear sign of his displeasure by making the rising full moon appear inflamed with wrath. The lunar eclipse and the red moon appeared on schedule, and the indigenous people were impressed and frightened. 
The son of Columbus, Ferdinand, wrote that the people, with great howling and lamentation, they came running from every direction to the ships, laden with provisions, praying the admiral to intercede by all means with God on their behalf, that he might not visit his wrath upon them. Columbus then went into his cabin to pray and timed the ellipse with his hourglass. And shortly before the totality ended, after 48 minutes, he told the frightened indigenous people that they were going to be forgiven. When the moon started to reappear from the shadow of the earth, he told them that his God had pardoned them. That is truly an amazing story. That's not all Columbus did with the lunar eclipse. Columbus may was maybe the first to put into practice an idea proposed by Hipparchus to use a lunar eclipse to determine one's geographical longitude. A lunar eclipse is visible across half the globe, and everyone sees it begin and end at the same moment. But the times when measured in the local solar time will differ because everyone is in a different time zone. The local time is determined by observing the rise, culmination, or setting of the sun. Now, an almanac will predict an eclipse for some place at a certain geological longitude at a specific local time there. The same event observed elsewhere will occur at a different clock time. The difference in time is proportional to the difference in geographical longitude by 15 degrees per hour. Columbus had no accurate means to determine how far he had traveled west on the globe. He observed from the lunar eclipses of September 15, 1494, near Hispanola, or the Dominican Republic, and that of February 29th from 1504, from Jamaica. In the latter case, he reported in his journal that Jamaica was seven hours and 15 minutes from Cadiz in Spain, well on his way to China. However, this site of Jamaica is actually at longitude 4 hours and 44 minutes from Cadiz. How could Columbus make such a large error of two and a half hours remains puzzling. But scholars have proposed reconstructions. Columbus presumably used the Caladarium from Rigimontius. This almanac gives the time of mid-eclipse at Nuremberg but if Columbus erroneously interpreted the list time as that beginning of the partial eclipse then his two and a half hour error could be explained one can imagine that such false evidence confirmed Columbus in his belief that he had reached China overlooking the fact that he discovered an entire unknown continent
A total lunar eclipse will take place on September 28, 2015. It is the latter of two total lunar eclipses in 2015, and the final in the Tetrad, or four total lunar eclipses in a series. Other eclipses in the Tetrad are those of April 15th, 2014, October 8th, 2014, and April 4th, 2015. The moon will appear to be larger than normal, as the moon will be just 59 minutes past its closest approach to the Earth in 2015 at mid-ellipse, sometimes called a supermoon. The moon's apparent diameter will be larger than the 34 degrees viewed straight overhead, just off the coast of northeast Brazil. The eclipse will be visible over Europe, the Middle East, Africa, and the Americas. The eclipse is one of the four lunar eclipses in a short-lived series at the descending node of the moon's orbit. The lunar year series repeats after 12 lunations, or 354 days, shifting back about 10 days in sequential years. Because of the date shift, the Earth's shadow will be about 11 degrees west in sequential events. A lunar eclipse will be preceded and followed by solar eclipses by 9 years and 5.5 days. This lunar eclipse is related to two annular solar eclipses of what's known as Solosaurus 144. Have you ever wondered why the moon looks bigger at the horizon than it does up in the sky? The moon illusion is an optical illusion which causes the moon to appear larger near the horizon than it does higher up in the sky. This optical illusion also occurs with the sun and the star constellations. It has been known since ancient times and been recorded by various cultures. The explanations of these illusions is still debated. A popular belief, stretching back at least to Aristotle, in the 4th century B.C., holds that the moon appears larger near the horizon due to a real magnification effect caused by the Earth's atmosphere. This is not true. Although the atmosphere does change the perceived color of the moon, it does not magnify or enlarge it. In fact, the visual image of the moon is about 1.5% smaller when it's near the horizon than when it is high in the sky because it is further away by nearly one Earth radius. Atmospheric refraction also makes the image of the moon slightly smaller in the vertical direction. The angle that the full moon subtends at an observer's eye can be measured directly with a theodolite instrument to show that it remains constant as the moon rises 
or sinks in the sky. Discounting the very small variations due to the the physical effects previously mentioned. Photographs of the moon at different elevations also show that its size remains the same. A simple way that you at home can demonstrate that effect, that it is an illusion, is to hold a small object, say a quarter inch wide, something that you have, a piece of paper, a quarter, anything at arm's length, or 25 inches, with one eye closed, positioning it to the seemingly large moon. When the moon is higher in the sky, position the same object near the moon reveals that there is no change in size. Note that between different full moons, the moon's angular diameter can vary from 29.43 arc minutes at apogee to 33.5 arc minutes at perigee, an increase of around 14% in apparent diameter or 30% in apparent area. This is because of the elliptice of the moon's orbit. The size of an object in our view can be measured either as angular size, the angle that it subtends at eyes corresponding to the proportion of the field of vision that it occupies, or physical size, its real size measured in, say, meters or inches or feet. As far as human perception is concerned, these two concepts are quite distinct. For example, if two identical familiar objects are placed at distances of 5 and 10 meters respectively, then the more distant object subtends approximately half the angle of the nearer object. But we do not normally perceive that it is half the size. Conversely, if the more distant object did subtend the same angle as the nearer object, then we would normally perceive it to be twice as big. A central question pertaining to the moon illusion, therefore, is whether the horizon moon appears larger because its perceived angular size seems greater, or because its perceived physical size seems greater, or some combination of the both. There, like everything in science, is currently no firm consensus on this point. Most recent research on the moon illusion has been conducted by psychologists specializing in human perception. After reviewing the many different explanations, some scientists have concluded that no single theory has emerged victorious. The same conclusion has been reached by others. So now the great scientific debate goes on. Hopefully someday they will decide. And this debate has been going on for a very long time. Ptolemy attempted to explain the moon illusion through atmospheric refraction in the Almagest, and later in the optics, as an optical illusion due to apparent distance. Although interpretations of the account in the optics are disputed, 
In the book of Optics, 1011 to 1022 A.D., Ibn al-Hathayim repeated refraction as an explanation, but also proposed an explanation based on human perception. His argument was that judging the distance of an object depends on there being an uninterpreted, uninterrupted sequence of intervening bodies between the object and the observer. However, since there are no intervening objects between the Earth and the Moon, the observed distance is inaccurate and the Moon appears larger on the horizon. Through additional works by other scholars, based on Ibn Hal-Hatham's explanation, the Moon illusion came to be accepted as psychological phenomenon in the 17th century. It only took 200 or 700 years. <laughs> An apparent distance theory evidently was first clearly described by Cleomedes around the year 200 AD. The theory proposes that the horizon moon looks larger than the zenith moon because it looks further away. When we see objects such as clouds, birds, and airplanes in the sky, those near the horizon are typically further away from us than those overhead. This may result in the perception of the sky itself as a comparatively flat or only gently curving surface, surface in which objects moving towards the horizon always recede away from us. In 1813, Schopenhauer wrote about this, that the moon's illusion is purely intellectual or cerebral and not optical or sensuous. The brain takes the sense data that is given to it from the eye and it apprehends a large moon because our intuitively perceiving understanding regards everything that is seen in a horizontal direction as being more distant and therefore as being larger than objects that are seen in vertical direction. The brain is accustomed to seeing terrestrially sized objects in a horizontal direction, and also they are affected by atmospheric perspective, according to Schopenheimer. If we perceive the moon to be in the general vicinity of other things we see in the sky, we would expect it to also recede as it approaches the horizon, which would result in a smaller retinal image. But since its retinal image is approximately the same size, whether it is near the horizon or not, our brains attempting to compensate for perspective assume that the low moon just must be physically larger. Extensive experiments in 1962 showed that a crucial causative factor in the illusion is a change in the pattern of cues to distance. The horizon moon is perceived to be at the end of a stretch of terrain receding into the distance, accompanied by distant trees, buildings, and so forth, all of which indicate that it must be a long way away. 
while these cues are absent from the zenith moon. Experience by many other researchers have found the same result. Namely, when pictorial cues to a great distance are subtracted from the vista of the large-looking horizon, moon, it appears smaller. When pictorial cues to increased distance are added into the vista of the zenith moon, it appears larger. A potential problem for the apparent distance theory has been that very few people, perhaps 5%, perceive the horizon moon as being both larger and farther away. Indeed, most people, perhaps 90%, say the horizon moon looks both larger and closer than the zenith moon. Most of the rest say it looks larger and about the same distance away as the zenith moon, while a few people report no moon illusion at all. Wow. However, the response that the horizon moon appears larger, but not closer than the zenith moon, could be because the viewer's logic confounds his or her perception, because the viewer knows that the moon can't possibly be physically further away, he or she is not consciously aware of the perception. This reinforced the idea that we do not consciously perceive distance and size as spatial awareness is a, is a subconscious, retinocortal, cognitive. Nevertheless, the apparent distance explanation is one of the most often found in textbooks. Those advocating the apparent distance hypothesis might counter that the Ponzo illusion. People do not perceive one line to actually be further away than the other, either, or that everything on the horizon is perceived as further away, out of the habit that this is true for every object ever seen there. Average altitude clouds are about 100 times further away at the horizon than when overhead. As an example. Historically, the best known alternative to the apparent distance theory has been the relative size theory. This states that the perceived size of objects depend not only on its retinal size, but also on the size of the objects in its immediate visual environment. In the case of the moon illusion, objects in the vicinity of the horizon moon, that is, objects on or near the horizon, exhibit a fine detail that makes the moon appear larger, while the zenith moon is surrounded by larger expanses of empty sky that make it appear smaller. The effect is illustrated by the classic Ebenhaus illusion. The, it's a square full of circles surrounded by smaller circles to represent the horizon moon accompanied by objects of smaller visual extent, while the upper central circles represent the zenith moon surrounded by expanses of sky of larger physical extent. Although both central circles are exactly the same size, the lower ones look larger to most people.
your journey is now ending. You are now leaving the Sapphire Planet. Goodbye from the Sapphire Planet. Own a piece of the planet. Now you can purchase Sapphire Planet merchandise online at sapphireplanet.com.